0: Any person of faith will acknowledge that at this time in our lives, darkness is rising in ways we just never thought was possible. In the church and outside the church, the situation in the world just grows darker. We have more bishops breaking from the traditions of the faith every day, and others bowing to Caesar by imposing more draconian restrictions than most secular rulers are in our time. The rot is both within the institutions of the church and in the outside world. But I have for you today a means of addressing this evil from Bishop Athanasius, who put out a statement a little while ago that few noticed. We'll talk about that today as a means of providing hope as we are about to enter a season that is supposed to be of hopeful preparation. And hopefully we can use the season to help us restore order in the church and the world beginning in our own lives. Let's get into this. Our times are evil. I mean, we know that. In the church, decrees are passed with lightning speed. And that by itself is a break from the traditional character of the church. Traditionally, the church moved slowly to address some issues. Notice, for example, that the Council of Trent happened decades after Luther and Calvin tore Christendom asunder. The church rarely, if ever, moved with speed. But in our time, the evils of the men in positions of authority and the structures of the church are done with relative lightning speed. Professor Kwasniewski describes this as a time in the history of the church that could be characterized as one of that was dominated by the stroke of pens. Actions taken by those in positions of authority with wide-ranging consequences are often taken without caring about those they impact in the slightest. In the church, Professor Kwasniewski describes it this way, quote, The history of our time could be described in terms of mighty strokes of the pen. There was the signature of John the Twenty-Third at the altar of St. Peter's on Vettetum Sapienta, which was a dead letter before the ink dried. There was Paul VI's signature on Massale Romanum, introducing a new missal for the first time in the history of the Church. St. Pius V did no such thing, as any minimally literate person knows. The Vatican tried to enforce this missal, but it never received full acceptance. A large number of Catholics abandoned the faith, so obviously they did not accept it, and a small number of clergy and laity never abandoned the treasure of the traditional rite. There was John Paul II's signature for the indult provisions, which restored a modicum of dignity to the keepers of this right. Then came Pope Benedict, who on the seventh day of the seventh month of the seventh year of the new millennium, canceled out the entire basis of the claims made in countless totalitarian dictates of the preceding four decades, who had liberated for the faithful the real treasures of divine wisdom contained in the traditional liturgical books. Finally comes Francis, who, with another stroke of the pen, consigns Benedict's motu proprio to oblivion and puts in place an cause of his own, full of errors, contradictions, ambiguities, and omissions, like the rest of his pontificate. Papal history normally moves along slowly, like the motion of planets or the growth of a great oak tree. We have seen the contrary, papal history moving so quickly that it becomes a blur. This is another sign that traditionalists have been right all along, like the Carthusian motto Stat crux dum volvitur obis, the cross stands while the world turns. We, or rather the faith, the mass, the pursuit of holiness, stand still while the post conciliar popes veer this way and that. End quote. Many Catholics believe that they are awake to the problems in the Church, but believe that only Francis was the problem. In truth, to some degree, every single one of the conciliar pontiffs, from John XXIII to Francis, were promoters of erroneous ideas. The most dramatic of these errors was Paul VI's surrender of the papal tiara, which consequently led to each of his successors not taking the papal coronation oath for the first time since the 7th century. An oath that each pope from St. Agatho to Pope Paul VI swore to not alter the deposit of the faith. Even in the slightest, they promised to not change an iota of the faith. This breaks from the past, and it was not an insignificant one. And if you'd like me to do a video on the papal coronation of, and its history and the consequences for the church since it was broken, let me know in the comments, please. I'll make it a part of my ongoing series about the errors and evils of modernism. Our times are dark, but there is a solution. The Church must lead. In our time, that means the laity must act without help from the Pope or most of the bishops. The vast majority of the bishops in America chose last week to issue a lukewarm statement about public servants promoting Moloch and receiving the Eucharist while refusing to take concrete action against them. There is no help coming from the bishops, at least for now, save for maybe the eight bishops who sensibly rejected the statement on the Eucharist. Instead, the body of Christ, the laity, the everyday faithful, must take action ourselves in the church and in the world. Bishop Athanasius, the auxiliary bishop from Kazakhstan, whose full name, if I say it on this platform, for some strange reason causes our hosts to punish me, said the following of what the role of the church in the world is at this time in history. And remember, when the church has lost its rigidity, when it has decided to embrace the world and its values, the ability to do what Bishop Athanasius says here is called into question. Quoting the bishop, Our weapons are the weapons of justice, and these are the weapons, in first place, of prayer and of a saintly life, the weapons of the spiritual help of the holy angels, the weapons of the sacred science, of the sacred apologetics, the weapons of righteous and honest individual and collective protests against the dechristianization and moral degradation of society. When there is no battle, there is no Christendom. When there is no battle, there is no true Church of God, no true Catholic Church. The dramatic situation of the whole world which is in the power of the evil one, see 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, and 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, makes man's life a battle, see the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 409. The Christian life is indeed a warfare. St. Paul wrote that we wrestle against the powers of darkness. Our battle is not with the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly place, end quote. Many people ask what it is that we can do to resist the evil movements we see in the world, this rising darkness that threatens to subsume everything. First, remember to trust in our blessed Lord and his mother, who will crush the head of the serpent under her boot. Our Lord wins in the end. That is promised to us. But also remember, the Catholic people are expected to be active participants in this battle, and to achieve victory requires us to become saints first and foremost. Seek out sanctity now while you still can. Sin darkens the intellect, so to think clearly we must be freed from the shackles of vice and sin. If we seek sanctity, we will be better able to perceive how to address the problems of our day and how to respond and what actions to take that are in full keeping with the will of God. Some think that seeking sanctity first is inaction, but I must tell you, That is pure modernism. It's the kind of thinking that Francis promotes when he goes after cloistered nuns and contemplatives who spend most of their day in prayer and doing acts of penance. He would rather people went out and were active on the terms of the world, active in the way that the world understands being active. His works-based gospel is a false gospel, and it's a dead end. Instead, seek out sanctity with fasting, praying the rosary, and engaging in mental prayer. Bishop Athanasius continues his thought. He builds on this idea, quote, we possess very apt and impressive affirmations of the popes of the modern times about the essential militant characteristic of the Church. Pope Leo Thirteenth taught... The enemy forces inspired by the evil spirit ever wage war on the Christian name. They join forces in this endeavor with certain groups of men whose purpose is to subvert divinely revealed truth and to rend the very fabric of Christian society with disastrous dissent. Indeed, how much damage these cohorts, as it were, have inflicted on the church is well known. And yet the spirit of all previous groups hostile to Catholic institutions has come to life again in that group called the Stonecutter Sect, which, strong in manpower and resources, is the leader in a war against anything sacred. See Leo XIII's encyclical, Enimicae Vis, chap, uh, released on 8th of December, 1892. He continues elsewhere. To refrain from doing battle for Jesus Christ amounts to fighting against him. He must, he himself assures us, he will deny before his Father in heaven those who shall have refused to confess him on earth. See Luke chapter 9, verse 26. This is from encyclical, Sapiente Christiane* from Leo Thirteenth. And Leo continues, being quoted by the bishop. The enemies of the church have for their object, and they hesitate not to proclaim it, and many of them boast of it, to destroy it outright if possible, the Catholic religion, which alone is the true one. With such a purpose in, and they shrink from nothing, for they are fully conscious, that the more faint-hearted those who withstand them become, the more easy will it be to work out their wicked will. Therefore, they who cherish the prudence of the flesh and who pretend to be unaware that every Christian ought to be a valiant soldier for Christ, they who would obtain the rewards owing to conquerors while they are leading the lives of cowards, untouched in the fight, are so far from thwarting the onward march of evil, dispose that on the contrary they even help it forward, quote. Fighting for the church in our times is a matter of salvation for each of us. Well, I don't have all the answers for you, since I am not a prophet, and be wary of anyone who claims to know the future, I can tell you with confidence that whatever it is you are called to do in this will be based on your state in life. But everyone is called to pray and fast. Our Lord gave us extra- instructions for when we fast and when we pray. Not that we should, he assumes that we will. It is a given, a basic requirement of the faith, so don't shirk from your duty. Seek out sanctity while you can, because things will continue to get worse long before the situation in the world improves. Father Ripperger spoke in a video recently where he said that the unbelievable evils we're seeing in the world today are a sign not of the impending victory of Satan, but of his impending defeat. Perhaps that's true. If that's the case, first remember that we don't know what schedule heaven keeps for such things. And remember that as soldiers for Christ Jesus, you are expected to first and foremost to become saints. So pursue that with all your might and will. Advent begins shortly. Do not throw away the opportunity Advent presents for you to become holy. Through the defeat of sin in our life, we will be able to better perceive the moral landscape and better understand how to deal with it. I'll close with this thought from St. Ignatius of Loyola, who was dealing with rising evil in the form of machinations of Luther and Calvin in his own time. His words come from the spiritual exercises, and they are appropriate for our need to do battle against evil by becoming saints. Quote, Love ought to manifest itself in deeds rather than in words. Love consists in the mutual sharing of goods, for example. The lover gives and shares with the beloved what he possesses, or something of that which he has or is able to give, and vice versa. The beloved shares with the, the lover. Hence, if one has knowledge, he shares it with the one who does not possess it. And so also, if one has honors or riches, thus one always gives to another. End quote. As the church goes, so goes the world. Remember that old adage. The highest office in the church is allied with the same forces we see promoting evil in the world today, and his hirelings are active promoters of evil in many cases. Defeat them by becoming saints clinging to the traditions of the faith and speaking to those who need to hear it, speaking truth to them, regardless of if it makes you unpopular. Our times call for it. I hope you found this helpful. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please, and like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As always, pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.